Oh, hello, weary travelers. Come on in. It looks like the bod is about to begin. I'll pour the ales over the stories, fables, and tales about the bards, battle axes, and bows taking out their ferocious foes. Just take a listen to the tales that we spin here at the Carriage Rest Inn. Previously on Carriage Rest Tales, our brave new recruits joined the Academy of Light and became the newest members in the Holy Order. Their first encounter with their commanding officer and the hero of the base, Benson, did not go quite as spectacular as they'd hoped. But as they say, you can't judge a fish on his ability to climb a tree. There is still much to be seen from these new adventurers. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Carriage Rest Tales. I'm your host and one of your dungeon masters, Mike. And to my left, we have... So can you judge a cat based on how well he can... Swim? Dive? <laughs> yeah. You, you Just can. trying to... Just your cat, though. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. You can judge a cat based on his ability to do your taxes. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and who is it to my left, then? Oh, hey, this is Ryan. I'll be playing <laughs> No Miss the, <laughs> the Bard. And this is Nick. I will be playing Vaso, the half-orc. Hi, this is Sam, and I am playing Melwood, or Woods, and I am a ranger elf. And this is John. I am Mike's co-DM and the voice of many NPCs. You guys awake in your barracks to the familiar sounds of the trumpets calling to the morning sun. You have now been at the Academy of Light for two weeks. During this time, you've been training daily with your commanding officer, Benson Hartman, and you've had the nights reserved for socializing, independent studies, and getting settled in. Benson is pretty hard on you and pushes you to your limits, but he also takes the time to consider your abilities, and he's constantly surprising you with really accurate advice on how to develop your skills. You guys are all significantly different, but he always has like really good advice for the bard, or the barbarian, or the ranger. As discussed earlier, at night you have been free to roam the grounds of the Academy of Light to talk with each other to your fellow new recruits, let's call them Squad B, and the other members of the Order of Light. So now we get to the fun part of D&D. Impromptu improv. <laughs> so let's hear a bit about what each of you have chose to do over the last two weeks. What sparked your interest? What information did you try to learn? Did you make any new friends? And if so, what do you have in common? I had rolled the order before we played, and Sam, or Woods, is up first. Fantastic. So what has Woods been doing over the last two weeks? Oh my gosh, let's see. So... Woods for sure has been hitting the gymnasium and just working on like lat pull downs, body squats. Like she's really hitting the gym hard. She's probably also in the armory. So she's a ranger, but she hasn't always been a ranger. So I think she'd probably be just learning how to restring her bow and working on that technique a little bit faster and more efficiently. She's definitely has eaten a lot of snacks, like just ugh, so many snacks. Um, Bonnie and her, I would say that their relationship is developing. They've had a lot, they like, I think they have like tea every night. Like that's their thing. They just sit down, have a cup of tea. Sometimes they chat, sometimes they're just quiet, but they're just trying to, they're, I wouldn't call them best friends, but they're, they're definitely becoming friends. Nick, what has Vasa been doing? So Vasa, um, he misses his dad. So he's writing letters to his dad every night. Aww. Adorable. Is he a half orc or a quarter orc, full orc? Half orc. Okay. 
Eighth arc. Um, he's also been hanging out like by the stables where the horses are, um, just because he used to being around, you know, livestock animals and figured it reminds him of back at home. So, um, so he's been doing that. Any um, horse, any horse that he has been liking to interact with more than another? Um, <clears throat> describe, might... describe this horse. <laughs> <laughs> so his favorite one is the, the biggest one there. He doesn't know his name yet, but he just likes hanging out with him. Just because, you know, the biggest one there would be, you know, if he were to ride a horse, he, he would be the one that he would ride. So perfect. And, you know, they seem to get along and, you know, he, that horse likes him and he likes him. <laughs> I like it. So, and uh, also, he probably at some point going to go by the armory. I think he realizes that at some point he needs to get his own weapons and not use the the stock weapon that he had for this first face off with uh, Benton. Um, what are you looking for weapon wise? Um, <clears throat> I think uh, like a big axe, like a two sided battle axe. Yeah, awesome. That's a perfect barbarian weapon. <laughs> yep. Well, and, and also because you know he's used to chopping wood on the farm, so he figured that would be his that would play to his strength. Perfect. And Nomis. I think Nomis is uh, Nomis. Sorry, it's fine. It's been a he's he's been up to a lot. Uh, Kind of thinking about his troop and maybe relationship that he didn't think was fully there. Uh, kind of reflecting on that. Uh, he's been working with Benson about trying to find a weapon that kind of suits his personality. So going through a bunch of stuff uh, with Benson trying to nail down a suitable weapon for him to use. Something better than the wooden dagger? Yeah, you know, <laughs> you can't really do much damage with that. Um, he's been chatting up his buddy Wallace, trying to get like... Uh, two-person band going on, you know, trying to teach Wallace some rhythm and maybe some bass line with his uh, trunk. Wallace has rhythm already. He keeps up with you very easily. Well, the first time we met, I was like, you know, I felt like I was cueing him in to play along with me, and he had no clue. So that's why I thought maybe No, he, he was messing with you. Oh, f- <laughs> great. Um, he, he he knew sucks. what you wanted and just wasn't sarcasm. engaging. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, like, once sarcasm. he razzed you once, he was just like, yeah, okay. We're, uh, we're, we're, we'll get along well. We'll jam together. Yeah, so we're we're jamming it up, you know, the animal orchestra that we are. Um, and I think Gnomus was kind of interested when, uh, I forget the gnome's name that talked to us in the beginning about piloting the ships. So I think he's kind of get some more information about what it takes to become maybe a pilot. Okay. Or uh, ride the airships. Yep, that was Amelia Brooks. Bit. Um, the easy way. Her down. Yep, the easy way to remember her name is I named her after Amelia Earhart. Oh, just because it's an air elemental pilot. You boys are just pulling on the heartstrings <laughs> today. She stays away from triangles <laughs> at all, all costs. All costs. <laughs> yep, she'd be happy. Especially to, in Bermuda, she'd be <laughs> happy to talk to you about elemental airships. She'll even like give you a tour of the ship itself. But at this point, you are grounded on the campus. Like you guys over the last two weeks, haven't actually left the academy because you're in the recruitment stage and they're still kind of watching over you. I mean, I realize I'm two weeks into like a 152-week yeah, you know, exactly. recruitment <laughs> training period, so we got time. But she's excited that you're interested in her line of work. Yeah. You do actually find out something else in your interactions with her. She is actually not gifted, so she doesn't have the gift of light. Oh, okay. And you end up finding out from her that a lot of the support roles that happen 
on the base are filled by people that aren't necessarily having the gift of light. And they still want to be able to help out, but they physically can't fight the Danoa. So they try to say, like, well, where can I help out? So like a chef or an air elemental pilot or, you know, I could be a blacksmith and making horseshoes, you know, like those types of things. And that leads me to what we do a little bit special. And John, we didn't do this in the practice campaign because we didn't need to practice because it's something we did in my other one. But I am going to hand each player three little glass beads. And the way that they work is in D&D, we like to have a cooperative storytelling. And I want to be on my toes a little bit more. So I give them these three glass mancala beads. And at any point in the story, they can interject that they know somebody or something, but they need to be able to explicitly describe how they know them. So for example, if they're going up to like a goblin cave, they can't just be like, oh, I know the guard. They need to be like, oh, I'm Give us like a backstory of how do you know this guard that you're going to then try to interact with. Um, so that's how these beads work. You get three of them for the campaign. So you want to make sure to use them well. These are so fun. And I like doing it because from a backstory standpoint, it adds more depth to the world that even the DMs don't know about. So going back to the beginning of this, it's the morning. You hear the trumpets calling out to the morning and you know that, okay, it's time to get up. You're kind of a little sore and tired just because you have been training pretty hard for the last two weeks. But you go ahead and you get dressed and you go on down to get your breakfast for the morning. But when you get down there, you see Amelia, which Namas, you My recognize. My gnome friend, yep. And she has the party bee with her. So Wallace, Quentin, and Bonnie. When she sees Namas, she like waves. Namas, Namas, over here. Hey, Millie, what's going on? Hi. Hey. Um. So Benson wanted me to... Um, gather your crew up, but he did say make sure to have a light breakfast. Don't have a hearty breakfast because we kind of have a um, a training this morning, um, and we don't want you to be too full. <gasps> Is it on the ship? No, unfortunately, oh, it's not on the ship. Man. But you are going to be able to leave like, campus. Oh, field trip. Wait, how full is not full? Like I can still eat like a full breakfast, right? Um. I'll let you eat whatever you want. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know that he told me you're going to be doing like a harder training exercise. Okay. Um, but I don't know your dietary abilities. So <laughs> um, you're not going on the ship. So you don't have to worry about like motion sickness, I guess. What is this going to like? All right. And she's going to go straight for it. Like hit the buffet line okay. as usual. Sounds good. She's making no adjustments. <laughs> Sounds good. So let's eat a nice full breakfast. Full breakfast. All right. We'll cream keep, based. Keep that in Oh, cream based. Probably we'll like cream of wheat. Yeah. Protein packed. Yeah. Vasa is just going to eat the right amount. Not going to overeat, not going to undereat. So it was just right. Just, just right. Goldilocks. Bears. Yeah. Oh. She was close, though. That was really close. No. <laughs> it was in animals. The, you were animals. Nursery rhyme animals. <laughs> There's three of them. Yeah. I think it's very similar. It's probably, probably the same five. lesson. Yeah, right. <laughs> now that you guys are done eating, let's um, head on out. Seems like you already have all your gear, right? Yeah. I'm, Every, like, everything you need for a, a training session? Yep. Yeah. Did did Vincent and I settle on a weapon for me yet? Or are um, we still doing that? Yeah, they could settle whatever weapon you okay. wanted. It's just going to be a basic it. weapon at this time. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I, can, I bet you like a rapier for some that's, reason. Look at this. Yep. Look at that. DM player. <laughs> it's like five years of just cultivative, yeah, right. like... Yep. I was thinking rapier. Playing you're... together here. That's it. All right. Read my mind. Okay. I'll escort you out to uh, Harbinger Square. We're going to leave the gates, and we're actually going to go to the fairgrounds today. 
Okay. So as you guys leave, you see her past the air elemental ships and she always stops and like pats it because she really likes her ships. But then you finally push out of the gates and it's been two weeks since you guys have seen the outside of the gates. And right across the street is where the fairgrounds are. They're actually really close to the gates of Harbinger Square. And the reason for that is during like big festivals and stuff like that, they want to have a nice big open grass area where they can set up tents and all that stuff, but still have a presence of, you know, the order of light there for them. So it's usually pretty close to that. For those that are wondering, if you go to carriageresttales.com, you'll be able to see these maps under the episodes tab. Okay. So the fairgrounds is south so, center. Yep. Harbinger okay. Square is in the dead center of the city. And then right out of the south gates, you'll have the big fairgrounds. Okay, cool. So about halfway into the middle of the fairgrounds, you see about 12 knights of the order. Like they're more decked out. They have like shiny armor. You guys have picture like beginning adventure armor, like just kind of scrappy leather. Nothing matches. But out in the distance, you see like 12 knights that are like full matching armor, shields, weapons, kind of standing at attention, but kind of just in a rough circle. And as you walk across, you see Benson is there and he's waiting for you guys like he's been expecting you. Is it just the three of us or is the other, is the Cardi B here too? Um, Party B is here as well. If you wanted to discuss anything on the trip with the other team, you're welcome to. Uh, No, I think, um, I mean, Melwood's just eating her apple. (laughs) It's a snack she took us. I think Wallace and I would be talking about some different like beats, you know, (laughs) something, you know, rhythmically advanced. Things. Now that I know that just he's talking just music. messing with me, you know, maybe something in an odd time signature, you know, some, <laughs> something out there. Have oh. you heard of progressive speed metal? Oh, I haven't. And I'm like so intrigued. Get, <laughs> drop it's me a, wonderful. Drop me a beat there, Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> this one's in 23.8. Oh, my. <laughs> Is that even possible? <laughs> And then it just sounds like a big line. <laughs> like a drone. <laughs> I like this. So, Whatever he plays, I, I'm, yeah. I'm digging it. So, Amelia, after hearing you guys like humming and whistling and doing whatever bards do, she's like, oh, okay, yep. Um, that sounds fantastic. I'm sure Benson's going to love this new gig you're putting together. Um, maybe you guys can perform in the atrium later. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, sure. But we're here. Um, I don't really know exactly what Benson's got planned, but um, I hear he's testing some new device from Damien, which is always kind of fun to see. Um, he's our master artificer. Um, so I think I'm going to stick around and see uh, what, what happens, if you guys don't mind. Do you mind an uh, audience? Uh, I don't. I, don't. I, I don't like mind. an audience. Benson, I, I brought the, uh, the people for you. Uh, thank you, Amelia. Good morning, recruits. Good morning. Morning, Benny. Morning. We've got something a little different in mind for you this morning. Your uh, fellow recruits behind you there, they're here for to observe your training this morning and possibly follow up. Uh, Sounds good. What, a follow what, up what do you what? mean follow up? Yeah, with, with their own training session. It depends on how this device from Damien f- works out. As he says that, he kind of holds up a device, and it looks like about the size of a toaster, like a two-piece toaster. Bosso's going to ask, what is that? A new trinket our master artificer put together. You recruits are going to be among the first to test it out. Mm, Melwood's very weary of this. I mean, I'm a cat, not a guinea pig, so... But I trust you, Benny. Whatever Um, whatever you want. Yeah. 
I mean, like, no living thing has done whatever this thing is supposed to do? That would be correct. What is this thing supposed to do? I think, uh, I think you'll find out soon enough. Don't worry. You'll be fine. And I will remind you that we are in public, so you're expected to act with decorum as a member of the Order. Looking at you, Gnomus. What did I do? <laughs> I am nothing but pro-white. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Alas, the bard is needing a break. So I, your humble innkeeper, shall give a few announcements. Hey guys, it's Sam. I just wanted to take a quick moment and thank you so much for listening. If you hadn't had the opportunity yet, we really strongly encourage you to check out our website at caradresstales.com. You'll find links there for our Discord and our Instagram. Go ahead and follow us at at caradresstalesdnd. This is where we post a lot of funny in-studio videos and um, photos of us here. Thank you so, so much for following along on this journey. I cannot believe we're already knee-deep in season two. Again, we really appreciate that you can do anything with your time and you're choosing to spend it with us. I hope you enjoy the show. Great. It appears the bard is back and ready to continue his tale. You hear Benson say this, like, try to act with decorum. You look out and you notice that you are in the fairgrounds and the populace has started to take an interest as to why there's all of these nice, like shiny knights kind of standing in a circle in the middle of their park. So they're keeping their distance, but you definitely have some curious onlookers. All right. I I'm, guess I'm bracing for whatever Damien has planned, planned with his toaster. It takes a couple of minutes. Um, you guys are kind of standing there and Benson kind of lets you know that he's he's waiting for the rest of the preparations to take place, but it's going to be about five, 10 minutes. We should be able to get started. So you kind of have some time to kind of interact and talk, but he really won't tell you any more details about what's going to happen because he wants to, to see how you react in the situation. But then about five minutes later, you see this black kind of smoke that you have actually recognized before when Benson had came back into that plane. And you see another knight, but he's dressed a little bit more survivalish. Like he's got better armor than the rest of the knights. And it looks like he has some rations on him. And he steps out into this field and then immediately starts going up to Benson. And as he's walking by, you see that same kind of thing you saw with Benson before where it's kind of like a black mist that's coming off of his armor. He's breathing kind of heavy, but then he goes up to Benson and he's going to say something to him. And I don't know if you guys are trying to listen in or not. Yeah. Oh, for sure. 100%. Go ahead and roll a perception check. If you have advantage for hearing ones, you can. I don't know if the cats do or not. So, I don't perception. think they do. For hearing, I don't think roll. so. Okay. We're going to roll a d20. And I'm going to add my wisdom and my proficient modifier. So I'm adding a four. So I had 13. 19. Ravasa. Uh, five. <laughs> All right. For the cat. So Namis and Wallace are kind of busy coming up with beats, talking about like, ooh, maybe we will do this gig, that type of stuff. So you're kind of off to the side and not really paying attention. 
You are kind of talking to Bonnie and talking about books you like to read or stuff like that. I'm knowing that she's a big reader. But since Vasa's kind of more of a loner, you're kind of more staying by Benson a little bit. So when this person comes up to Benson, you hear him say, everything's ready, sir. No signs of larger Genoa and no presence of the Colossal. Excellent. Let's proceed. Form out! And then as soon as he says form out, the 12 knights that were standing in a rough circle line up equally spaced out and make a big circle, probably about 30-foot diameter circle, and Benson walks into the middle of it. Recruits! Front and center! With hesitation, okay. yeah, Melwood walks forward. Yep, Vaso moves forward. Yeah, no misses. Moving forward, too. All right. The three of you line up in front of Benson, and he says, all right, you three have been training well for the last two weeks. You've uh, already improved quite a bit. Today, you're going to test your mettle against the real deal. <laughs> sort of, anyway. Let's see how you do. And with that, he walks away outside the circle. You'll notice that he left the box that he had carried with him. And the box is starting to let a little light blue light, and then it kind of fades. And then it lets out a light blue light, and it's getting a little bit brighter and a little bit faster as this light starts to get to the point where it's flickering, and then it's just on. And when that happens, almost in unison, all the knights around you, you hear them say, Morga! And then they stick their arm out like they're holding a shield, but they don't have a shield. But instead, this wall of light just appears in front of them. Vaso, you actually recognize what this looks like because when you were fighting the Denoa back, or not fighting them, but protecting your citizens from the Denoa, you had accidentally casted this spell, which is the light shield spell. So I'm handing him a card because in my campaign, we have extra abilities that you can use or extra spells that are not in the player's handbook, but specific to our campaign. So you recognize that one. And it kind of draws your attention away from it, so you don't really notice that all of a sudden, a big like stream of blue energy just shoots up from this box. And then it starts to spread. But as it spreads, you start to notice that it is dark and misty on the inside of this light. And it takes you a second to realize that this looks a lot like a rift that I've seen before, because you have all seen rifts. But it's a little bit smaller, kind of organized a little bit, and you're like, are they seriously just opening a rift in the middle of this? And then you look down and you see three cages, with each cage holding a small, kind of hyena-looking creature, but it is a Denoa. So for our listeners, what the Denoa are is kind of like a essence, a presence, that will take shape of some type of creature. In this case, I'm using gnolls from the D&D Monster Manual. But there are three Denoa, and they're kind of in this cage, and then the cage opens, and we can roll initiative. All right. Oh, snap. So for initiative, we're going to roll a d20, and you're going to add your dexterity. So for me, I'm going to add three, and I rolled a 12, so that's 15. Vasa rolled a five, and you're going to add one, so six. Uh, Nomis, 14 plus three, 17. And then, John, did you want to run monsters, or do you want me to run monsters? I'll run the monster, sure. Right. If you hold shift and double click on the monster, it will pull up their character sheet. Shift, beads, what is uh, happening here? I already had the, you said gnolls. I feel yep. like yeah, this yeah. is like the thing from Harry Potter with the... Oh yeah, the uh, Ridiculous. I'm yeah. casting Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are those called? Bog Boggarts. Boggarts. Yes. Look at us. Look at us nerds. Look at us. And the gnolls got an eight for their initiative. 
So I guess game mechanic question. In our training with Benson, do we know if the weapons we're using now are effective against the Denoa, or does it have to be specifically whatever light incantation we used? So game mechanic, the world would know, so world information, that the only way to fight a Denoa is with a light weapon or like a holy weapon. Conventional weapons, they'll just pass right through that presence. Mm -hmm. Like the presence parts and you just slash through air and then it reforms. Like it can't make contact with them. But since you are recruits of the Order of Light, they are giving you appropriate holy weapons. Okay. So your weapons will deal damage. Um, they're not going to throw you with the... <laughs> That's what I was just wondering. Yeah. Like, is So the rapier I have now is considered a holy weapon. But if you picked one up off the street, it probably wouldn't be a holy weapon and you wouldn't really work. Okay. Do I have the ability to cast that light spell? Yes, but not at this moment. Okay. Is that I what you just, just got? No. But at this moment in your career, you're not quite able to cast that spell to create holy weapons yet. No. So the, like the, the this thing, the light spell that you gave that you just gave Vaso, Vaso. What yep. does that do? So that's something that just Vaso knows at this point. Oh, okay. So Vaso knows how to do this. Yep, because you've actually done that before. Okay. Uh. Okay. Okay. He did it by accident. So I guess you can edit this part out. So I mm-hmm. thought we were all going to have like a light cantrip. So we I don't will. know that yet. We don't you know don't that know yet. that yet. That's what I'm, oh, that's yeah, what I'm yeah. trying to figure out. Yep. Okay. We don't know what we don't know. We don't we know, know what you don't know. know. But we do know. But I know that you know. know that we. So I think we're ready to start this combat and see how you do against your first Denoa presence. Uh, Nomis, you're up. Uh, I think Nomis, realizing he's more of a support character at this point, I'm going to cast Fairy Fire. Is that an area effect or a single target? Yeah, they just become engulfed in light, and we all have advantage, so we can roll two d20s to try to hit. Awesome. Instead of one, that's if they fail, right? Right. So they all have to make a dexterity saving throw, and for the duration, objects and affected creatures shed dim light in a ten foot radius. Any attack roll against an infected creature or object has advantage if the attacker can see it. So my spell DC is a thirteen. And we all so it's. It's on the bad guys, right? It's on the Denoa. Yes. Okay. And they, if it succeeds, they will be in a purple light. Purple light. Ooh. Okay. You cast it and they all kind of dive out of the way, but one of them is a little bit slower because he kind of gets held up with the other two. You can't quite dive out of the way fast enough. So one of them ends up with a purple light kind of going around them. Oh, okay. Are you going to move at all or just stay? I'm going to move probably more behind my more capable fighting friends. Okay. And as a bonus action, I will give Melwood a bardic inspiration. Ooh. So basically on any D20 roll, you can add a D6. Good job learning from your past experiences, Nomus. I aim to please, Benson. All right. Um, Woods is going to do really what only she knows how to do. She's going to pull out her longbow and going to try to pump some arrows into, we're going to go with the purple guy. Remember, you have advantage. So I get advantage. So the first roll was a 17. Second roll was a 7. So I'm going to go with a 17. Uh, On my attacks, I roll dexterity and proficiency. So that's going to be 7 for me. And so 7 and 17 is 21. That hits. Great. We are going to roll damage, which for me is a D8. And we add our dexterity to that. So that's 2. Our dexterity is 3. So it's going to be 5 damage. And we're just in a circle, correct? So you guys are inside of a 30-foot diameter circle that it's being created by these knights. 
is the rift that opened, can you walk around it or is it just like a one-sided thing? You can walk around it. Okay. I'm going to just, I'm going to kind of skirt a little bit um, to, I guess, my right. And I'm going to try to maybe uh, half my distance. Okay. So you're trying to see like around this rift a little bit more just to kind of inspect it. The knolls. So there are one group, right, Mike? Yep. Uh, so two of these little shadow things that are not gnolls, they actually look like little hyenas at the moment. They are going to kind of run at you at the same time and like cross over each other. So it's kind of hard to track what they're doing. And who's in front of you three? Uh, Vaso. Vaso, yeah. They are both going to kind of take a jump at you at the same time. And they're both going to try and bite you. Great. All right. So one of them rolled a 21. Great. uh, And that's for four piercing damage. And the other one rolled a 17. Does a 17 hit? Yep. For seven piercing damage. And then so those two kind of hit you at the same time and pull you sort of out of the way so that whoever was next behind you is that Nomis. Um, Nomis, yeah, you are now kind of open to this third one, which comes running straight onto you. And just as it's like about to jump to attack you, its shape kind of changes. It shifts into a more humanoid form and takes a swing at you with a, a sword. And then it reforms into that little hyena shape and it runs past you turns around and faces you all from behind. So that swing that it made was a 13. Does that hit? Um, That actually meets. So in our podcast, ties go to the attacker. So in this case, it hits. So that does eight uh, slashing damage. So to kind of recap what John was just doing there, the Denoa really are just a presence. Like Think of it like solidified smoke. It has the ability to change forms... At will. So that's kind of what it just did. <laughs> Yay. And so now the field stands with one of the Denoa behind you three and the other two basically on top of Vaso. And it's Vaso's turn. All right. Well, Vaso is definitely startled. And um, so he's got two Denoa around him. He's going to attack the one that's closest to him because the other one looks like a couple more feet away. So he's going to take his holy war axe and uh, take a swing at the first Denoa that's closer to him. So I'm rolling a d20, that's 11, and I add 5, um, so that's 16. Is that hit? That hits. So I'm going to roll for it. damage, which is 1d12. So I rolled an 8, and I add 3, so that's 11 total. Yeah, it's 3 because of his strength modifier. Yep. So you take out a sizable chunk. And that is the one that was not glowing. The other one that's glowing is right next to you. And that one you would have advantage on next time. Okay. And for his bonus action, he's going to do his light shield. Okay. So I want to read what that spell does. Yep. So it says the caster generates a thin shimmer of light around their body used to deflect incoming blows. Take 1d4 soul damage. This damage is then used to uh, produce a thin shield of light around the caster, adding plus one to their AC. So if you want to cast it, you're going to take damage. So basically, the gift of light mm. is blood magic. <sighs> oh. Didn't see that one coming. Uh-uh. <laughs> oh, great. Four. 
That's when you're not supposed to roll a four. Yeah, I, I know. So just like the knights that are encompassing the circle, uh-huh. you look at Vaso. He takes a couple of hits. He does a big old swing, and then he mutters something to himself, and this shield surrounds him as well. Okay. And that will end my turn. Game mechanics question. So you said it's like blood magic. It just like comes from our soul. It's not, I don't like cut myself or it to happen. Cut. It doesn't have to cut yourself. Yeah. Okay. Just... So when we do this spell, it just takes our health points. Yep. Exactly. Okay. So you're using some of your life essence to be able yeah. to cast this spell. Interesting. It's like we're necromancers, but. But like good Positive ones? on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that brings us to the top of the order, which I think Nomis. is Nomis. Uh, well, I definitely didn't like this Denoa slashing at me. So I'm going to use the new rhythm that Wallace and I created this speed death metal, whatever we called it, <laughs> play it really fast and cast dissonant whispers on this Denoa. So basically it needs to make a wisdom saving throw. And then from there it'll either take full damage or half damage. The one that's right next to you, right? Oh yeah. The one that hit me. So wisdom save yet a 16. Okay. You needed a th- 13 or better, so it passed, so it'll take uh, half of 3d6. He doesn't have to flee, right? He doesn't have to flee. Okay. So I will roll some damage here. 10 damage. Pretty good hit. And I think that's all I could do. Hopefully not get hit again. All right. As you guys are hitting these things, like, you see, like, pieces of them, like, chunking off. And think of, like, coal dust. It's kind of falling onto the ground next to you. So you kind of hit off, and then, like, a piece of coal falls off of it. So they physically get, like, a little bit smaller looking as you're nicking away at them. Because they don't bleed blood, so you need some sort of gauge of how you're doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Are you going to move anywhere, Nomis? Um, I guess game mechanics. I don't know if I can without You would provoke taking, an opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I'm just trying to get as defensive as I can. Okay, sounds good. Um, all right, so it worked last time. We're going to do it again. Uh, Woods is going to attack, let's call her Beyonce Knowles. <laughs> this is the one that's glowing. Uh, uh, queen bee glows. <laughs> queen bee, yeah. Of course. Okay, so I rolled a 10, uh, but I get advantage on it. So I rolled a 9. So we're going to take the 10. We're going to add our dexterity, which is a 3, so 13 to hit. Well, you had your proficiency also, right? I'm Yeah, I'm so sorry. I was looking at my initiative. So I rolled a 10, and I'm going to add my dexterity and my proficiency. So it's going to be a 7. So 17 to hit. That hit. Fantastic. We're going to roll a d8 for damage, and I got a 1. So we're going to add our dexterity, so 4 total. All right. You're slowly getting them there. Yeah. <laughs> See two big hits from your compatriots. You got two small ones in there, but it's working out. Um, we're just glad you're hitting them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And I'm going to stay where I am. I'd like to be, I'm a ranger, right? So I'd like to be a little bit further away. So I'm going to stay there. Uh, it's Solange, Bianca, and Beyonce's turn. <laughs> it's the monster's <laughs> turn. So I think the monsters are all still in the same places roughly as they were. Yep. You got two on Vaso and one on no- Nomis. Yep. Uh, and then that one's behind the, the rest of everybody too. The one by Nomis is behind everything. Yep. The two that were on Vaso... Uh, they they don't like your new shield thing, and they are both just gonna continue to try and bite at you. Okay. Uh, so one of them rolled a twenty-one. Yeah, that that hits. Yeah, that, that hits. Wow, I didn't think that would. In case in case you all were wondering. So the shield doesn't give you like a higher AC. Yeah, it does, but but it's it, not it, higher it, than twenty-one. <laughs> plus one. <laughs> a plus one. Oh. Yep. Yeah. All right. So that That's does okay. four damage. And then the other one got a 14. 
that meet? Um, we'll say I really want the shield to work. <laughs> well, I have to roll bad. Yeah, I guess I have to roll bad. Can you do like take one d four damage and your AC is half the damage you do? Oh, I do like that. Since he took max damage, maybe he gets a little more AC. I kind of like that. So plus two AC? No, plus one AC, <laughs> but half damage. Oh, half damage. <laughs> I don't know if I want to manage. I don't know. I'll put it under consideration because I don't know if I want to manage that. I was just thinking at higher levels it could be easier. You should write at it higher down. Levels. All right. Did so, I give you damage on that? No, not yet. No. Okay. It was four. So if, are we, if we're going half damage, two. You're welcome, buddy. Thanks, dude. <laughs> I am notoriously always trying to challenge yes, Mike. You are. <laughs> John. Um, I don't think that really happened. Like no, that. just providing different feedback mechanics to maybe help us out at the same time. I'm on board. Okay, so those two took their bites at you. They really, they don't like your light shield. They think it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie. Stupid uh, light shield. The thing that is behind the three of you now form shifts into a more humanoid shape and materializes some sort of weapon shape in its hands. It's like a two ar- two-handed polearm type weapon. And it takes one swing at Gnomus, and that's a nine. That misses. Okay, so that just kind of like whiffs right over your head. Uh, just curious, the, the damage I took, am I bleeding from that? Yep. So yep. it is actually a physical weapon yep. and not like he took part of my soul away? No. Yeah, you're actually bleeding. Damage. Okay. Cool. It's not to say they can't also take your soul away. Oh, shoot. <laughs> uh, and then it's Zavasso, right? All right. So question about the light shield. Say yep. duration, start of next turn. That Basically, that means it lasts one turn. Yep, last one's turn. Okay. I might make it more powerful because one AC is not quite that much. Yeah. So maybe we'll make it. For four hit points. Yeah. So yeah. maybe I'm going to up it to three AC. So you get a plus three to your armor class. Okay. But, but no half damage. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't talking about I'm half damage. I thought his <laughs> AC bonus would have been half the damage he took. Oh. So if he rolled, yeah. if he took four damage, he would get more I'm gonna, essence into his shield. Yeah, and be more, I get what you're be saying, better. but I think it would be hard to track. Okay. So I'll we'll just, just put a plus three instead of a plus one on that card. So you get a plus three to your armor class if you use the shield. I think that's, that's a pretty good bonus. Yeah, it's okay. way better. All right. Well... The uh, light shield, it goes down because it only lasts one round. So, you know, Vasto, is, he's hurting pretty bad. He's got two hit points left. He's, he's sort of going, he's starting, starting to get angry. So um, he's actually going to go into rage. Perfect. And he's going to attack, again, the guy that is closest to him. Okay. Um, We're both close to you. So we'll say that you, in your rage, you see the one that's got glowing. It stands out to you, so you just want to hit it. Yeah. So you'll have advantage on this roll. Which means he rolls two d20s, takes the highest number. All right, so first one was 14, second one was 13, so 14 plus 5. That definitely hits. Um, and then a 1d12, I got a 10 plus 3, and then plus um, another 2 because he's in rage, so 15 total. And with your rage, and you're just super angry, just ah, and you just take this huge battle axe, and you're just... Chop this one in half like it's a log. Just, just you know, falls into two different pieces of coal. 
as it is exited the battlefield. It's now just a lump of coal. Is that the one that my spell was on? Yes, that's okay. one that your spell was on. So now we get to real world mechanic thing, a real world thing. So in this world, when a person actually passes in this world, they don't leave a corpse behind, but instead their life essence transfers into a little ball of light, um, which are called light shards. And each year, these light shards are brought to a ritual burning if the family's ready to. And it's kind of like a celebration of life, like a Day of the Dead thing, where everyone will bring their dearly departed. When you kill this Denoa, you notice that what is left behind isn't a light shard, but something that looks really similar, but it's black, like a dark ichor ball of light. Hmm. That's what is now kind of on the ground in front of... Vaso. And Vaso is going to yell at Woods and be like, Woods, what are you doing? Get in the battle. <laughs> what are you doing hanging out over there? Get in the battle. I literally was just going to cheer for you. Well, not anymore. Go Vaso. But not anymore. As that Tanoa falls, Woods, a half moon choker around your neck starts to kind of vibrate and warm up to the touch, sending a nice calming feeling through you. Interesting. Okay. We are at the top of the order, I believe. So it's Nomis. Vasa has just killed the first Denoa. Did I see him do that? Yeah, I imagine. I mean, you guys uh, are in a pretty small 30-foot diameter. Okay. I'm going to shout, well done, and not to be outdone. I'm going to try my hand with my new rapier. Ooh. See how I do. All right, oh. love it. No time like the present. So my rapier, I'm going to roll a 1d20, and I have a plus two with a proficiency and another plus two because it's a finesse weapon, so I can use my dexterity modifier. So plus four. Correct. 17 plus four, 21. And that hits. Sweet. And I'm going to shout out, Benny, I did it. And then <laughs> four damage. Good job. <laughs> four damage. Now focus. Remember your mission. Four damage. Four damage. Got it. <laughs> And then seeing has, I'm pretty low on hit points too. I'm going to use a bonus action and give Vaso Bardic Inspiration in case I go out. In case you go out. <laughs> what is Bardic Inspiration again? Sorry. So you can roll a, add a 1d6 to any d20 roll. Everyone go ahead and at this point roll a history check, which I believe is intelligence based. Yep. I have no. Added modifier. I have a negative one. So I'm going to roll a d20. <laughs> I rolled a two. Negative 11. One. I rolled a five, and I'm going to add one, so six for me. And you got a what? 11. All right. Yep. None of you guys remember anything. <laughs> I, thought, right. I thought I remembered something <laughs> as I, I poked yeah. this guy, it. but no. I was like, mm, it's just so I have no there. clue what's happening. I'm like looking at butterflies in the sky. You can go twice as high. <laughs> <laughs> butterflies <laughs> in the sky. Okay, um, it's my turn. So I'm going to have been shown up by my buddy Vaso, even though I've literally gave him most of his damage. Um, I'm going to cast Hell of Thorns, and I'm going to do it uh, to the, the cluster that Vaso's standing in. Oh, yep. One, only, one of only, them's only, dead. Yeah, one of them's dead. Oh. This one's gone. Mm. And they're in melee? Yeah, Vaso killed one of them. Oh, everyone within five feet. Vasa killed a Denoa all by himself. A <laughs> Denoa. Yeah. All by yourself? Man. Benson calls out, that's right. 
Vaso did it all by himself. You two take note. Yeah, with that, I'm a little up. I'm a little. Mm, we're gonna put. We're just gonna put Vaso in his place a little bit. So she's gonna cast Hall of Thorns. So first, we have to shoot an arrow. So that's gonna be an eleven plus seven, which is eighteen to hit. Okay, that hits. Fantastic. So, Hail of Thorns, how this works is when you hit a creature with a ranged weapon attack before the spell ends, the spell creates a rain of thorns that sprout from your ranged weapon. In addition to the normal attack, the target of the attack and each creature within a five-foot radius must make dexterity saving throw. And then each creature will take a 110 piercing damage on a fail save, have as much on a successful, plus the damage that I'm going to roll. So I'm going to roll my damage first. And that's going to be six damage total. Okay. And then give me a dexterity saving throw. The Danoa got a 20. Well, they've passed. Yep. What did you get, Vaso? Eight. Can I use my... You can use the Bardic Inspiration. It's a save. Ten. Uh, my spell save DC is a 12. You failed. So now I'm going to roll a 1d10. <laughs> she seemed way too happy about... <laughs> Uh, uh, Benson, you didn't say anything about friendly fire. <laughs> uh, I didn't think I would need to. I want to be reassigned to Cardi B. Um, so um, seven. All right, I rolled a seven. Yeah, so you're gonna, I'm down. You're going to take seven. And I'm then down. What's the you know is going to take three. You just killed your teammate. <laughs> All right, Savasa. So and like, why are you on the ground? Get even, up. Even with half your... Yeah, you get half damage of the seven, so it would be three. Well, I'm still down. You're still down? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had two hit points left. I knew that. <laughs> so mean. Oh. I uh, mean, I like Sam knew that. Melwood didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Melwood just saw uh, him getting attacked by a bunch of things and decided to shoot at him. I, I believe Vassal's last words were like, step up your game or something like that. <laughs> so I said, yeah, step up. up your game. Don't kill me. <laughs> well, <laughs> she's going to be like, why are you? Get up. Okay, Vassal, get up. Like, what are you doing? Oh, sh- oh. I think you just killed our friend. <laughs> um, I can fix him in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is still up, the Denoa, by the way. But it is looking a little weak. It did okay. a pretty good hit. I'm going to run towards Nick. Uh, sorry. I'm going to run towards Vaso. Okay. And get into, uh, like, go to him on the ground. So you're going to go to him or engage the I'm Denoa? I'm going to be on the other side of the Denoa. Like on the other side of Vaso. Oh, you're putting okay. you're letting you're using your meat shield still. Uh, yeah, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna use it as my meat shield. I feel so used. <laughs> you feel so great right now. I feel so used right now. Okay. <clears throat> the Knowles family. Oh, it's the enemies now. Uh-huh. Okay. The Denoa are up. The Vaso is down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have two Denoa that are still up. Yep, one's and looking pretty weak next to Vaso, and the other one's doing pretty bad also, but not horrible. That's and that one's over near Nomis? Nomis, yep. So the weak-looking one near Vaso and Melwood, too, because she ran over to him, right? Correct. It's It knows Vaso's down. It's going to put itself, try and put itself in between Melwood and Vaso. So it's going for Melwood now? Yep. It just steps over his dying body. <laughs> yep. And it just jaws open and a 17. 
Yeah, that hits. Yep, this shadow thing just bites right down into your arm, and you take four piercing damage. Okay. The other one over near Nomus is going to do the same thing it did before, where it like materializes a weapon, and it's going to swing it at Nomus, and that's a 23. Whew. I seem to hit you. No. No, it doesn't. It's crazy. <laughs> it wow, that's crazy. Um, so that does 12 slashing damage. Yeah. And then <laughs> this time... Nomus is down. Uh, Nomus down? Yeah. Okay. For Nomus 12. is now down? For 12 damage. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's going to take a an actually very impressive jump at this point over to Melwood and swing at her as well. 13? Ah, misses. It, that one does not connect with you. But this thing is up in your face now. Yay. And with that, you hear Benson yelling from the side, Close the rift! Remember your priorities! <laughs> you all failed your history check, so that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to do that. Um, so, Vaso, you're up. No, we're all- Death save. Oh. So I'm rolling a death save. I got to roll uh, 11 or higher. Oh, 10, 10 or higher. Oh, 10 It gives higher. you slightly better than 50% odds. Okay. They're nice like that. And I rolled a 15. Woo-hoo! All right. So you got one save. But while you're laying there unconscious, you think back to the farm and your dad and like the peaceful life. You know, he was very much like, oh, a peaceful life is a good life. It's relaxing. You don't need to put yourself in danger. And you're like... Hmm, <laughs> that might sound good right now um, as you're laying there from friendly fire bleeding out. And that no miss. brings us to no miss. Death save. Oh, man. Remember that time the whole party died on the second episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was <laughs> short session. And that was the end of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. So you get one fail. So if you get a nine or lower, you get a fail on your death save. If you get three fails, your character permanently dies. If you get three passes, I guess we should have said on Vasa's turn, your character will recover. I do recover to one hit point so you can get back up into the action. As Nomis is lying there unconscious, you're just having nice memories of your troop back home, traveling around the countryside, performing at different places, and just, it's pleasant for you. Okay, so Melwood's torn. Does she save her friends or does she continue fighting? Um... And she's going to continue fighting. Okay. Um, I don't think she thought very long hard. and hard. Yeah, about I think it was strategic. Do I do that? Nope. I'm doing No, it's strategic. She knows you got at least one more. Fight her friends. Fight. One more thing. So, um, okay, so we're now in melee with this uh, Denoa, right? Yep. yep. Anyway, two, two of them. Oh, great. Well, I only get one attack. So she's going to pull out her sickles and... So she carries these, um, they're like half moon crescent sickles, handheld. She has two of them. And uh, we're going to use her right hand and she's going to swing at the one. That, oh, they're right in front of me. Uh, can she try to swing because they're so close, like all the way around and hit both? No. That's right. not well, how I'm only work. 11 too. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go, I guess, two. we'll go to the one that was in, on top of Vaso. Okay. Uh, 10. Do you add anything or is that with No, that's adds? what I add. You're a little bit high and you're now thinking like, I don't want to hit Vasa. So like you purposely try to go a little bit higher. Uh-huh. Oh, Not you again. know what? I'm going to add my D6 to that. Oh, okay. Maybe my... you have some good luck. <laughs> nope. 
You do not. Added a one. 11 still 11. So you're nervous about hitting Vaso again. So you uh, aim a little bit higher, but then it just easily ducks underneath you. At this point, no miss. You feel a sharp jab in your shoulder as you kind of regain consciousness a little bit. And a one of those knights that was standing guard, you see he's stabbed a healing stem into you. And then he backs back up so you can roll 2d4. Unfortunately, Vaso is too much into the <laughs> middle of the fray. <laughs> you got three back? Yeah. All right. But you're up. Also, at this point, Melwood, you look over and you see Benson frantically waving and yelling to close the rift. Close the rift. I, I don't know how to close the rift. Like, she's going to just, like, yell back. Like, I, I don't know how to. You haven't taught us that. Close. And she looks at the rift. Close. <laughs> and the rift closes. No. <laughs> As Benson yelled, close the rift, close the rift, go ahead and roll your history checks again for those that are conscious. 14. Actually, you can roll one too. Maybe you'll have a flashback <laughs> in your dreams. 10. <laughs> 10. 14. At disadvantage, I guess? No, you can roll advantage. Advantage. Yeah, oh, advantage? Yeah, you're unconscious. Yeah, I'm in my mind. All the memories. All the memories are there floating. You have nothing else to do. All right, 19 plus history. Uh, so 20. Yeah, he's unconscious, and of course he figures it out. How yeah. is he going to tell us? <laughs> exactly. Um, so Vaso, he's the only one that remembers this part. You remember from the very beginning speech when you first got there that Benson had said, you know, you're the first and last line of defense. You're here to protect the city, blah, 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 blah. You're going to be fighting the Danoa. Your primary goal is to close the rifts. Your secondary goal is to kill the Danoa. And then your third goal is to save the citizens. Okay. Step one. Step one, <laughs> we failed. Uh, Step one. I think flashback to another very early training moment. Benson told you that you can't teach someone how to close a rift because it's something that everybody oh. has to figure out how to do on their own. And that brings us up to, uh, where are we at? The uh, no, yeah, yes, we're at the Genoa. So these two Denoa that are in front of you, they actually kind of take a small step back from you. Not like they're retreating from you, but they're tactically kind of stepping back to get a better look at you. And they get close to each other, and then their forms start to soften again. And the two forms of these things just kind of merge into a slightly bigger one. It doesn't look that much more threatening than the one than either of the ones that were there before. It looks like they just kind of merged into one thing, and it's it looks about as strong as the two of them combined. But neither one of them were in great shape to begin with, so like it kind of looks tactic. like one of these things back at like you know kind of when it first came out. <clears throat> okay, and it takes a run at you. I'd say merging was its action, probably. Oh okay, I think I, I feel like that. I feel like that is an action. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. I think <laughs> merging together would be an action. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what it does then, and now it is. It looks ready to pounce at you. Who's up now? Basso. Ooh, death save number two. two. Roll a twenty. Nineteen. Close. <gasps> so close. 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 You get another pass. So you're starting to kind of roll around a little bit. I'll let you be able to say one word. If you want to. One word? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to point at the rift, and then I'm going to say, close. <laughs> okay, sounds good. 
Mel would hears you say, close, pointing at the rift, and then he kind of loses consciousness again. All right, it's Nomis's turn. Like a typical cat hearing, you know, close, I perk up, and I see the riff, and it's like, oh, yeah. Like it's a, you know, laser light, and I'm just drawn to it. So how far am I away from the... Within your movement speed, because you guys are all inside of a 30-foot diameter circle, and your movement speed is 30 feet, so... Okay, and I'm just running full blast at the riff. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, sounds good. But my rapier's out, and I'm just like... Slashing at the rift. <laughs> I don't know good. what else to do. <laughs> You're I'm just slashing, slashing, slashing. I'm just poking it. I don't, I don't know. Like it's an enemy, and I'm just yep. Uh, it's fighting not really the heck out of it's this. It's not thing. really doing anything. But as you get closer to the rift, because now you're kind of standing right in front of it, you look inside and you just see like cloudy, dark. You know, like that time of day with dusk where it's like hard to see, mm-hmm. and it's like that, but it's just like foggy black mist, just forever where you can see inside of it, but it looks like a landscape on that inside. But go ahead and roll a history check. Man, the thing I'm worst at. Okay. Your backstory, not mine. Come on, history. (laughs) (laughs) One. All right. Yep. You're just slashing away (laughs) at this, uh, (laughs) at this, uh, actually, what happens is you're slashing away at the rift and being the cat that you are, a bird flies by. You're like, oh, and you're, you're like, had a thought, but then it just went out the window yep. <laughs> as you watch this bird flying around. Okay. <laughs> that works. So Melwood, after hearing her friend that she tried to kill, um, she admits say it. close, <laughs> she's going to like kind of have a revelation and grab her necklace around her neck and she's going to hold her, um, her half moon crescent. And she's going to sit and like meditate and um, and ask um, Sopelor okay. to help her close the like, hey, like, uh, are, are you there? You sent me here and, and I need to do that thing that you helped me do before. Can you can you help me do it now? Okay. So as you start doing that, you're feeling your body starts to like that same like calming, warming feeling. But then it starts to kind of hurt a little bit and kind of burn a little bit and you start feeling like you're being lit on fire ah okay um is it working (laughs) she's gonna kind of yell and um open her eyes and look at the and you're continuing the trying to meditate a little bit yeah go ahead and roll a d4 one all right you take one damage as the rift begins to close as you have successfully casted rift stitch Ooh. and you say i take one damage yep as you see a kind of a thin stream of light energy come from Melwood and it starts to crisscross pattern over the uh, rift and it starts to pull it together. Awesome. Do I stay um, concentrated on this? Nope. It's okay. just a bonus action. So I now have a bonus action, mm-hmm. but only this. Yep. I think my focus is so on like the bird. I'm still slashing <laughs> at this. I think I'm doing it and I'm so excited I'm like Benny I'm doing it and I'm like still like yes feeling so proud of myself Benson just has his head in his hands I love how you call him Benny Benny I closed the riff my sword did it (laughs) my stick did it so happy yeah are you proud of me are you proud of me proud of me Benny Um, so then do I have an actual action or no I'm going to say for this round okay. you didn't because you were experimenting, trying to figure out how to 
how to close this riff for yourself. Okay. So it probably took you the full action plus a bonus action to get it done. Okay. But in the future, now that you know how to do the spell, you'll be able to do it in the bonus section. Perfect. Where are we at? Uh, we're at the Denoa. Denoa. We got one Denoa left. Yep. Uh, and it's still in front of, well, did Mel, Mel did you, you got closer to the rift, right? Uh, uh, no, this no. is closer to the rift. Melwood actually sat down in front of the Denoa. So I, yeah, I, didn't move. I imagine she's a big target right now. Yep. It, the Denoa is actually going to sniff at you for a second because it's not sure why you just kind of sat down and, <laughs> as, as it like was facing cross-legged you. Cross legged in one of those like yoga and poses. It's it's almost hesitantly gonna gonna take a bite. And that's a twenty one. Yeah, that hits. That's gonna do six piercing oh. damage. And it's it, it, it just stays with like its non corporeal jaw like in in your uh, got you on like the shoulder. Like it's just holding her right okay. at this point. Yep. Yep. I think that brings us to Vasa. Vasa. Come on, beat a ten. Ten. All right, you're, yeah. up, you're up with one hit point as you fully recover on your own, like everything else. This <laughs> <laughs> I kill on my own, I revive on my own. Myself, <laughs> it's the Vaso show. From the dead, I told him to close the rift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe death saves are at the end of your turn. I'll have to look that up. Top of the order, no miss. Oh, I still think I'm closing this thing, so I'm I still like it. slashing away. I'm yes. Okay. I'm closing it. Um, I'm so you're proud. Doing, you're doing I'm happy. <laughs> Got a big smile on your a face. Smile. I'm just people are dying. Yeah, people yeah. are dying behind you. <laughs> I'm. I'm still shouting like Benny. You know. I'm just so happy. I'm accomplishing. He's drinking from a flask at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So. Melwood's doing all the work um, and she's going to take her sickle out for her action and try to just like over her shoulder kind of like hit this guy yeah, that's hit. literally swing, swing, swing at the neck. Yeah, swing at the neck. Uh, 18 and 7 which is going to be what? 25. 25. Okay. Um, and we're going to no, that's not my damage. My damage is an 8. Ooh, and we're going to do 9 damage. That is enough to drop him down, but just barely. But he crumbles away. Great. Um, and then her bonus action, she's going to do the same thing. She's going to grab her um, her crescent moon symbol and just like close her eyes. And just at this point, she now thinks that she has to speak to Sopeller. Like, okay. So she's going to kind of create this like mantra almost. And then she's just going to kind of repeat it and repeat it. Um, and then I assume she feels that same that same burning. Yep, but she's expecting it, so now she's like, she almost likes it. All right, go ahead and take one more d4 damage. Four. All right. Should have kept the one that rolled. <laughs> she really likes it. As you get in touch with, what was her name? Sopeller. Sopeller. More of that energy comes out. Namus over there just all of a sudden sees this new string. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm getting this. <laughs> um, and then the rift fully closes. And now all the Denoa have been defeated and the rift has been closed. Uh, Vaso, as you're kind of laying on the ground, you've kind of been going in and out of consciousness during this time frame. What you noticed was when that rift closed, that little ball of light that was by you, that dark crystal, mm -hmm. starts to slowly fleck away. But it didn't actually start disappearing until the rift was closed. Interesting. 
So as soon as the rift closes, I'm going to like put my rapier in the ground and lean on it, take my hat off and like do like this grand bow of like, you know, you're welcome. Oh, it's just like rolling her eyes. No miss has closed the rift. (laughs) (laughs) Typical. Typical men. And she's going to like throw her hands up in the air and walk away. What are you talking about? I just closed it. Yeah, it was all I slashed it and stitched it, did something. Yep. You sure did. Recruits, fall in. Line up. I'm running like a super happy (laughs) student. Like, (laughs) look at me. I think I did it. Yeah, Melwood shuffles over. I'm limping over. (laughs) (laughs) So Benny has you three lined up, and when you 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 just kind of stand at attention for a minute, and he is look. He's not looking at any of you. He's just kind of like got a thousand yard stare going on, and. He lifts his head up, takes a breath in like he's about to start talking, and then just just puts his head down and walks away. <laughs> okay. Uh, he he turns back around. He says, Vaso, good job. Melwood, you figured it out eventually. Nomus, and he does the same and thing. Like, he like, looks like he's about to say something. I'm so happy. And then like, his face just drops and he walks away. Oh. <laughs> I'll explain it later. Well, I closed the rift. No, you what? didn't. No. no. Yeah, I did. Yeah, no. no. You, you didn't. What are you talking about? You, I was standing no. in front of it. Yeah, I know. We did it. I mean, really, I did it. But what do you he, mean you did it? Uh, I did it. Like, I closed How? it. I, know, I, I was standing in front of it, slashing like it with this, my sword. I did this, like, thing, and then I was, like, burning inside. Yeah, you did a thing. I did. Yeah, I was over there slashing at it. Okay. You know what? The next time you slash, I won't do my thing. We'll see what happens. While these Maybe two are will. arguing, Vaso is going to the medical tent and <laughs> just like whatever. Yep. yep. Uh, Vaso, along the way, you kind of pass by the other squad, and they're just none of them will make eye contact with you. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys get escorted out, and then a, another person comes over, which you guys would recognize as the commanding officer for Party B. I'm trying to get up to my notes. For Party B. It. Bailey. Yes, Bailey. Thank you. Um, to describe Bailey, Bailey is an elf but has extremely dark skin. You guys would know this as a drow elf. And she arranges her troops similar to how Benson did in the middle of the circle and then proceeds to give them a little bit of instruction. They've seen your guys' performance now, so they have a little bit better understanding of what's going to happen. And then Bailey reaches down and pushes the button and then exits out. And a, like a minute later, another rift opens up. You see three more traps underneath, and the Genoa spread out. Unfortunately for you guys, Party B does a lot better of a job. Can I uh, give some descriptions as to what happens here? Yes, you can. Yeah, so this crew looks like a bit more organized than you three. Like they've been, it looks like they've been fighting together longer. Even though they haven't, you guys have been training the same amount of time, but they just, they got their rhythm down, and you guys haven't yet. So. Quentin the turtle is a monk and he uses a big spiked shell staff and he is moving around the battlefield and just like getting in, doing quick hits against these things, getting out. Uh, Wallace the Loxodon is the big elephant in his ringmaster-like attire and he has this just gigantic greatsword that he is swinging around. And when he swings it, the Danoa just get picked up and carried with it because he's a really big person and he's got this big weapon. And he is just kind of like 
tossing it between his two hands and his trunk, and it looks like fluid the way he's just throwing this sword around. And, like, they're not doing necessarily a lot more damage than you guys. They're just keeping them away a lot better. Meanwhile, Bonnie, the human female, is taking advantage of her teammates keeping the enemies busy, and she pretty much just runs up to the rift and does something kind of similar to what you did, Melwood, where she just kind of, you can't tell what exactly she's doing, but clearly it's something internal. And she just holds her hand out to the rift and light emanates from the palm of her hand and just begins to do that same thing where it stitches, begins to stitch the rift shut and their fight is over much more quickly. (laughs) You will also notice from a game mechanic point that they did it in the right order where they closed the rift first Mm -hmm. and then it seemed like as soon as the rift got closed that the Danoa were a little bit easier to handle I just wrote down literally step one close the rift (laughs) (laughs) two kill the Danoa step three protect the citizens step four don't kill your party (laughs) don't members I feel like that should be a given (laughs) okay well clearly showed them what to do, what not to do. Yeah, you guys did a great example of what not to do. Yeah, if we would have gone second. If we would have gone second, we would have known exactly what to do. Yep. She says as they're like helping Vaso to the medical tent. (laughs) Yeah. It would also help if you didn't kill your teammates. Okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) I want to apologize for that. I just felt like I was working really hard and I wasn't being validated. And I... Apologize, but look, you saved yourself, so you yeah. didn't even need my help. We'll work on that. I think we, and then she like looks at those the those two, and she's like, I think I think we need to work on this, and like does a little circle with her hands, meaning the three of us. Leave the rift closing to me. Yeah, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> uh, and she just looks at Vaso, shakes her head. Oh, why, <clears throat> dude? You didn't do it. Yes, I did. <laughs> No, you didn't. No. I was right in front of <laughs> you it. You didn't. All right, whatever. I know what I did. Okay. All right, well, next time the rift's open, you, you go I am. You're you the rift closer. We'll kill. That's what we're doing. Next, tomorrow, we're back in the ring. You close the rift. We'll kill the Danoa. Sounds good. All right. Can we get some food? You guys hungry? After I get past Yeah, I need to get here. healed up, too. <laughs> <laughs> So the bard's tale has come to a close. Ah, what a splendid crowd you have been. We hope, we hope we'll see you again at Carriage Rest Inn. Welcome to Getting to Know Your Players. Uh, thanks for sticking around at the end of the podcast. This is the part where we're just going to go around the table, keep it pretty casual, um, but just a glimpse into who we are as people outside of our D&D characters. So for this week's question, what has been your favorite NPC or NPC interaction? It can be this campaign or any other that you've played. So mine would have to be... Um, the last campaign we played, we play. Um, we ran into a guy. I forget his name, but he had. Um, he couldn't talk, and he had Wolf a parrot. Dragonstone. Yes, yes. <laughs> the guy with Thank the you. parrot. Yes, and John did like the, like the best like impression, 
for it. It was, it was yep. There it is. So that so for those of you who um have checked out our website, it's on our website, right? It's in the bonus content on it's our in, website. It's in the bonus content of our website. We did a 13 episode mini campaign kind of practicing. So you'll hear us kind of go through the kinks of learning how to do a podcast, but the story came out pretty good. The NPC in that story are the best. So check it out if you got time. What else? What do we got? Uh, mine was from our podcast, or not our podcast, our campaign with uh, John and his wife. Okay. And uh, Jenny was at law <laughs> to stand up for herself. She was in a court case. Oh, yeah. And she just absolutely destroyed the opposing lawyer, which was myself, because I am not a lawyer. So that didn't work out really well. <laughs> that is good, yeah. So that was a lot of fun for me, because I, like, before the, the session, like, looked up, like, the steps of a court case. <laughs> what are law terms? And I had them all written down and I was like trying to use them and I just got smoked, which it was uh, obvious. Yeah. Oh, that was that was really good. Uh, John or Ryan? Uh, I'm glad that Nick said Wolf Dragonstone because I was thinking about that one. But that means I get to talk about a different NPC that I ran in a campaign I did with some other friends. This NPC's name was Norgil Foulmantle. Oh. And he was a chicken wizard. Okay. He was obsessed with his chickens, and he he used a lot of chicken-based magic. He didn't last past the first adventure because the revealed big bad killed him at the end of the first session. But for a while, he was he had like the hillbilly accent, and he all he cared about was his chickens. <laughs> <laughs> was the big bad a fox by chance? It was not. Oh, <laughs> dang it. Was it a colonel? <laughs> <laughs> he he did leave behind an item called the Ring of the Colonel, which I think that was truly my favorite part of this character because he lived on through this ring. And this is a I can't take full credit for this ring because I found it online and some like made up D and D things, but it was a ring that makes the wearer intensely aware of all chickens in a one mile radius. <laughs> and That's I think so funny. once per day you can use it to summon one D twenty chickens. That is It was insane. a chick magnet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm done. All right, well with that, I'll tell you leaving. up. Are you ready? Uh, I thought I was going to go for the obvious one in Duran. But if you want to talk about Duran, I can also talk about the Trappers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I picked Duran because John did such an incredible job like personifying this NPC that it was very creepy to listen to him. It made me cringe every time he ran into this NPC. And my character tried to like, flirt with him at one point yeah. to get information because he was flirting with all of us. And I thought, oh, yeah. maybe if I flirt with him. And I think the interaction that John and I had during that flirtatious scene was... Flirtatious. Flirtatious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to pick the exact same NPC, this this character, Duran. So same thing. It's it's on the campaign, our practice campaign that's in our bonus content at www.carriagerestales.com. Um Okay, for those of you who don't know, so John is my first cousin. So we're in this scene where he's playing this NPC who clearly is very 
open from a sexual orientation standpoint and he is flirting with my character and he is doing it so well that I am physically uncomfortable as a person. Oh yeah, you were like swiveling in your seat I, over there. Was not, like, get me was, out of this. It takes a lot to get me uncomfortable and I was uncomfortable. So like the fact that you did that so well, hands down, probably one of the best NPC interactions that we've ever had at a table. So kudos to you. Thank you. I'm glad that three out of four of the other NPCs were all my <laughs> NPCs. <laughs> yes. uh, all right, guys. Well, thanks so much for hanging out with us. We appreciate you giving us a couple more minutes just to get to know us. If there's anything that you want to know, um, you can go ahead and message us on Instagram, uh, Carriage Rest Tales D&D, or go on our website and shoot us an email. Thanks so much. The website also has a form for getting to know your players where they can ask questions. Perfect.